You're listening to Season 2 of fit to be Radio, a production of fit to be Studio, which specializes in home workouts and e-courses online for those dealing with diastasis recti. Our goal this season is to connect the dots between fitness and other psychosocial dimensions of wellness. So hey, strap on your sneakers and take us for a walk while we talk, or just grab your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch while you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to fit to be Radio. My name is Chris. I'll be your host today, and I've got with me, as usual, I've got Beth Learn. Beth, where are you today? I am where I normally am, which is in my bedroom, <laughs> hiding from my kids. Yep. Um, up, I live in rural southwest Washington State, about two and a half hours south of Seattle, which is okay. what most people think. Gray's Anatomy, yep. two and a half hours north, uh, south of me, north, north of me. Wow. and um yeah my little farm we're getting trees planted today there's a crew out there putting in cypress trees for us because there's that we don't want to see that is great cypress trees i'm trying to remember cypress tree what is a cypress look like cedars they look like big old cedars they're just a little different that's sweet that is Mm -hmm. awesome um and then we've got with us uh myra robson we're very excited to have you on today and where are you coming from you're going to give it away when you start talking i think (laughs) i'm in south london in the united kingdom so it's Mm -hmm. evening here for me i've been at work today just got home got my cup of tea come to talk to you Perfect. Well, thank you for spending some time with us and uh, coordinating. It's been a little bit of a challenge to coordinate, but we're very, very excited um, to do this. Uh, Beth, I would love it if you do a more formal introduction um, to our guest so that we don't do her a disservice because we're very excited mm-hmm. to talk today. Yes. Uh, as Chris mentioned, um, like we have been fixated on getting Myra on here. <laughs> We've had a few hurdles, but, but she is worth the wait. And I know her through what's known to me as the pelvic roar community, which we're going to talk about. It is yeah. a collaborative community of professionals working to raise awareness and come together to educate and inform and discuss things happening. Um, and, and it's been amazing. I also know that she is the lead physio for the squeezy app. And we're going to talk about what that is. I'm very excited about that because yeah. um, it's something that's, that's gained popularity in the UK and we're, we're hoping to give it some traction here in the U S where, where I am. Um, and Mira, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your practice as a physio, what you do. So I've been working in the NHS for 30 years now, and I've specialised in pelvic health probably for the last 20 at various times. Um, Became interested in pelvic health purely by chance where my manager was going on maternity leave and the pelvic health ladies were always very unpopular. Nobody really wanted to to treat them. And so she told me, you can take on the leaky ladies, as she called them. So I took myself off on a one-day course uh, by the specialist in the area in the UK. And that was it. I was completely transfixed by it. And my career path changed at that point in a trust in South London and I lead a service um, incorporating about 12 staff across four sites all around pelvic health so nurses and physiotherapists primarily but I've always worked part-time since I had kids my kids are now 18 and 21 
and about eight years ago I launched Squeezy app which we'll talk about a little bit more as we go on and as a result of the work generated from Squeezy app that I've stayed part-time because I now do a lot of work in, with the technology company and with other ventures that have led off from that and I established Pelvic Raw which Beth mentioned which is a community led by pelvic health physiotherapists but incorporating everybody mm -hmm. every healthcare professional interested in pelvic health fitness professionals patients expert patients product manufacturers uh, so that has also been very successful I operate largely on a sort of management style of winging it and then just think, oh, that looks a good idea. I'll try that. And then it generates much more work than I ever thought possible. Uh, and I end up running around trying to gather up all the loose ends that I've created. Yes. Ooh. Beth and I have studied under that management style of winging <laughs> it, actually. So I want to make sure people heard correctly. You you guys are saying pelvic roar, not pelvic yes. floor. Yes. Is that, an acronym? Is that an acronym for something? No. Um, so my good friend, Elaine Miller, also goes by the name Gussie Grip. She's a comedian and physiotherapist. She was on a, a major uh, TV program today in the UK. So she's very popular. She and I came up with it with another physiotherapist called Emma Rockwell. And Elaine just went, oh, let's call it Pelvic Raw. That's a good name. And, and it stuck. It took us about like, like 90 it. seconds to choose the name. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's the best way. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and connection-wise, here's a fun little connection. So Emma Brockwell works very, very closely with Grania Donnelly, who is our research partner um, for the massive project we undertook a couple years ago, which we are still trying to get published, where we surveyed <laughs> over 1,000 women about oh. diastasis recti and their symptoms and their support systems, um, their lower back issues, their incontinence, yeah. all of that. Yeah. We got over 800 usable responses. So Grania and I have been working on that. Grania also works very closely with Emma, and Emma works very right. closely with Myra. <laughs> what a small world. What a yes. small world. Yes, yes. So we, awesome. all keep, we, we bump into each other on the interwebs all the time. And the pelvic roar community, I, I got added to it, I believe, by Grania. Mm -hmm. And I immediately felt out of my depth. Um, but I, I knew it was such a brilliant place to be because they really have done a good job, you and your colleagues, you and Elaine and, and Emma, and, and Grania is really active in there as well, about, like, let's have this conversation. And no questions off the table. There's no dumb questions. Yeah. And anybody is welcome to respond. And usually I don't because I'm looking at the responses and learning from them. But every now and then something comes up fitness-wise, and that's where I'm like, oh, I know this. <laughs> well, I can chime in, which is always fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the, the key principles of Pelvic Raw is that we are all equal in this space. We have different skills. We have different experiences. But everything that we have to offer is of equal importance. So mm. everyone is welcome to join. We are active on social media, less active on Instagram because it scares the life out of me, Instagram. I don't really understand it. Um, and I think we've just got somebody recruited now who's going to take that on. But Twitter, I can do. Facebook, I can do at a push. So, And things like Twitch and goodness knows what else, I, I'm just not even starting along that path. Um, but we have a community group in Pelvic Raw, uh, which was set up by Elaine, as many things are, in a fit of peak. She got really cross at something and went, we're going to set up a community group. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I discovered 
discovered what she'd done and had to run around making sure it was all nice and tidy and had some rules and you know usual usual winging it style and um, and we really wanted everybody to play a part so you can be a patient you can be somebody who just thinks oh that's an interesting thing I've not come across that before you are welcome to join us you can find us on Facebook it's called Pelvic Royal Community you tick a box we let you in and the rules are just that you give you you talk about something that you are safe to talk about if you can give an opinion you can give some evidence-based scientific analysis you can discuss something from your role as a healthcare or fitness professional you can ask a question whatever it is it needs to be appropriate so you can't come in and make some statement about uh, a conditional treatment if you don't have the knowledge to make that statement so as long as you're speaking from your personal knowledge base then that's really valuable and one of the most useful questions I asked on there some time ago was the debate around whether or not you cover a patient up when they come in for a vaginal or anorectal examination and this is something that's puzzled me for a while because our body in the UK the POGP which is our physiotherapy professional body for this work very much recommend and treat teachers to pull off some of the paper we have paper in the UK that you put on the bed patient lies down and get this paper you can put over their their um, pelvic area and you cover the patient up for dignity and privacy purposes and I can see the sense in that but I also feel that what we give out as a message to patients is don't be embarrassed don't be shy about your gentle area in an appropriate time and place you should be really confident to talk about what's bothering you come and see us if you're leaking if you've got pain etc it's nothing to be embarrassed about if we then go and cover them up are we adding to that feeling of mm. we, should cut, we should hide away from it? And what I found was really nice was being able to go on to Pelvic Raw and ask that question, what do people think? And not feel judged, not feel embarrassed. And I think it's very easy to have people round on you and sort of say, well, that's a funny question. Um, but we had everything from people in the UK who've very much been trained to, you know, cover up and that's the right way to do it to other people i think there's somebody in germany who was just so oh, just get your kids off and get on the bed and get on with it and patients <laughs> who some people who say i don't care what you do just fix me and other people saying i would be horrified if i wasn't covered up and it was a really useful discussion and i've changed my practice as a result and now what i do is follow someone's suggestion where i tear off a couple of bits of paper put it on the bed and say if you want it the paper's on the bed so then the patient has absolutely got the choice and that's worked really well so i think it's the sort of place where no question is a stupid question nobody is going to judge you if anybody did make a judgment or an inappropriate comment they would be kicked off faster than you could say public rule <laughs> i love that i remember that conversation as you started talking about it. i was like oh yeah and i remember saying hey um um at the time I was going through quite a few cervical checks because um, mm -hmm. I had a bit of a scare this last year where a pap smear came back with some precancerous cells. So I was going in twice a week for um, cryotherapy mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, inserting all kinds of things. And my, I, I go to a midwife who's also a naturopathic doctor and a functional medicine doctor. She's amazing. And she provides cloth bathrobes. And, and also like a sheet and she just places them on the table and says, here you go. And me, we were all, you know, I was, she was squeezing me in twice a week and I was like, okay, you're a midwife. I'm just going to take off my pants and hop on the table if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, great. <laughs> um, but I know 
that's my choice. But the important thing was she gave me a choice. And I remember that little conversation that was happening and being part of that. And it was really brilliant. And I believe several people probably shifted how they practice. And I I think the people listening might be reassured to know that those conversations are happening among professionals worldwide. We're asking these questions of how do we do better? How do we make people more comfortable? Whether I, as a fitness professional, am helping you or somebody like Myra is helping you in a clinic, um, we all want to do our best. Absolutely. And it's very easy when you do this job. I've I've looked at more vaginas than I've had cups of tea in my life. And it's very easy to forget that for someone else, this is their first examination, perhaps. Right. It's taken them a year to pluck up the courage to come and and see us. Mm. And because it doesn't bother me, and especially in the NHS, it's yeah, things are quite busy at the moment. We've had a lot going on the last year or two. And so you can kind of be churning through the patients and you forget this is a really, really big deal. And I like to pride myself on not forgetting that. Right. But I'm only human as well. And it's so it's really important, as you say, to have these conversations. And I think something like Pelvic Raw brings everybody together and stops certain people or certain professions thinking they're on a level above others. And I know oh. that that happens and we all see it. Um, mm-hmm. It's very classic in the UK with doctors. If a doctor says something... It must be true. Oh, same thing in the US. Is it? Well, you know, it might be true. So it's really important (laughs) to have that that space where everyone has a view, everyone's opinion matters. Hmm. I love that. I love that. And I, it's funny, every now and then I have like, three hot minutes where I'm like, hey, I know something somebody (laughs) doesn't know. And then like, you know, right after that, I'm all, oh, well, (laughs) hold on. I've got 59,000 more things to learn about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> um, so tell us about, tell us about the Squeezy app. What is it? So Squeezy app came about from a conversation in the school playground, ironically. And it, it's been really bizarre because we, we kind of broke all the rules around it. So uh, my, my kids went to school and made friends with some other kids and I got to know the parents as you do and you know, come around for a, a tea date and all the rest of it. And I got chatting to the dad and we became friends and he worked for or co-owned a small technology company that was involved in publishing. And he said to me one day, what's the hardest thing about your job? And I said, it's getting people to remember to do their pelvic floor exercises because we know women should do them three times a day as maintenance, six times a day if they're symptomatic. And that's research proven. It's really hard evidence behind that. But actually, for your average woman, remembering to do that, you know, sometimes you have days you don't even get to the toilet, let alone do your pelvic floor exercises. Oh, my goodness. I think I I did one set yesterday. So right as you said that, I was like, okay, wait, I'm going to do them while she talks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) One set. Um, And he jokingly said, oh, you could do an app for that. Now, I'm the most untechie person out. And it's a, a constant source of amusement in my family, who are all techies, my two sons and my husband, that I'm the only one who's won awards for technology. And yet I'm always the one going, I can't, I don't know what to do about this. Even coming on here today, my husband was outside the door until he was sure that I'd connected because (laughs) I panic about, you know, will I get through and all that stuff. So he jokingly said that. And we, we sort of did some blue sky thinking while the kids were playing in the park or whatever they were doing. And then it, 
it just sort of snowballed from there. Before you know it, 18 months later, we're launching this app. And we didn't have any funding for it. And we thought we might get funding. And apps cost a lot of money. And technology yes. companies like to put a lot of zeros and whatever quote they give you. And so when the funding fell through, they said, we've got this far. Let's just do it. So we launched it. And there's lots and lots of rules, as you can imagine about how you put the NHS badge on something. So I basically fudged the system a little bit. And effectively, I could put the NHS badge on if I was a member of the NHS, which I am, and if one of my senior managers signed it off. So I found a senior manager who I know didn't really listen to what I was saying. I'm going to turn it off. And then we're away. And I had the goal of- You're sounding very American by the way. <laughs> I had the goal of selling a hundred and we had to charge for it even though a lot of people think that anything in the NHS should be free because the concept of the UK NHS is free at the point of delivery. The reality is that it isn't all free so we pay for dentistry, pay for opticians, we pay for prescriptions unless you have exemptions. So I felt quite comfortable with that and the reality was that nobody had funded it. So this technology company had put in so much work, mm -hmm. costing thousands of pounds, and done it as a goodwill thing. I didn't get, I don't get any money from Squeezy because in the NHS it's a strong conflict of interest. So I couldn't recommend it to my patients if I was getting money from it. No. So I've never been paid or received any money from Squeezy. And then at the two ninety nine, a third goes to Apple, pretty much, and then and, and Google Play. Yeah. Um, and the rest goes to pay back the company. So we thought, okay, let, let's do this and launched it. And we've now sold 400,000 uh, and wow, it's received those awards and it's very of popular course. and everything else, which is great, which is really great. Um, and it's basically an app that just teaches you pelvic floor exercises and reminds you. And that's in essence is, is what it does. It's got a little audio visual guide. And one of the things about pelvic floor exercises is that you need to do two different types of exercise as your basic uh, program. So you need to do your slow ones, which is a, a long squeeze for about 10 seconds mm -hmm. to build up the endurance of your muscles. You really need to repeat that 10 times, and that's been proven in evidence. And that's actually quite a long time, 10 seconds. That is a long time. A while. I think I'm going to seven. Yeah. <laughs> I need to work on my endurance a little bit more, I think. <laughs> um, if you're in a hurry, it's very easy to count quicker and quicker and quicker right. and not do that. And then you need to do 10 quick ones at a rate of around one per second. And you need to have a full relaxation in between them. And then there's a couple of other little tricks that you can do as well. So we set an audiovisual guide. So once you've set your numbers for your app, um, and if you see a physio, they can set the numbers for you. So if a physio examines you and says your endurance is only four seconds, you might set the program to give them a five second squeeze to build up that oh, endurance. Okay. For the first That's time. Really and so you then look at this little squeezy ball and you press play and it will talk you through it. And you see the squeezy ball move. So you know exactly when to squeeze and when to relax and so on. So it just keeps people very focused on the exercises. You can set reminders. It will pop up and say it's time for your six o'clock squeeze and you can say busy now. You can ignore it or come back 20 minutes later or do that twice before it, it gives up on you and then comes back three hours later or whenever you've next set. It gives up on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's really quite simple. 
and over the years the feedback we've had so many times is that the simplicity has been what's caused it to be so effective it really does what it says on the tin and it keeps people doing their pelvic floor exercises and it's become a bit of um an icon in its own way we've even had people on tv saying they're doing the squeezy and it's become its own sort of brand and so we've developed it now we've got a clinician platform connected with it that you can see what your patients are doing send them out their outcome measures their bladder diaries have a look at the results uh, there's lots of wow. extra bits that we've wow. done connected with it yeah we've got squeezy for men we've got squeezy for cystic fibrosis adapted for that wow. we're looking at piloting squeezy in a maternity setting now it's been mm. really really fabulous um and the the money that the company has made from it they've plowed back five percent of it comes back to the nhs that i can spend within my clinic um and then the rest of it is being covering the costs and the costs of the new development and the company now does most of their work in the healthcare area based on squeezy as well so it's been hugely successful but now we want to go to the next stage and we want to work out what means what makes women drop off from doing their exercises so we know mm -hmm. we have all this um uh statistics from the uh, 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 oh, from the, the thing that Squeezy attaches to, anonymized <laughs> statistics. And so we can see how many people go into the app every day, when people are doing their squeezes, and we can see that at a year, it really starts to tail off. So we're now going to introduce mm. what we call Squeezy Club, that's gonna come out next year, where for a very small fee, something like 10 pounds in the UK a year, you will become part of this community. We will do um, videos. We will have um, sort of ask the physio sessions. We'll have more content. We'll ha we're looking at nudging behaviors with a PhD student to see what is it that will make women go, I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to come back to that. I'm not going to forget yeah. this at a year. So we've got lots and lots of ideas. The problem is just finding the time because, you know, it, it's this is this is kind of my hobby and it's just mm. become enormous really wow yeah oh i know how that can go now i have a question you know as i even think about it um i know for myself i get distracted i forget to do i forget to do my pelvic floor exercises i'm i really incorporate my pelvic floor work into my workouts so it's not that i'm not getting them that's that's really my main focus with my clients is as we start a workout as we're doing a bicep curl uh, as we're getting on the rebounder to jump a little bit i'm always queuing for the pelvic floor both relaxation and integration um however that's really not a substitute it can substitute for maybe a couple of the sets but i think it's still valuable to do these focused um flexes squeezes squeezes um yeah. <laughs> when you're not trying to do something else um there's a there's a I've conquered that mentality I think maybe where I've done that and it's good everything's good everything's fine and then we I know for myself that tends to be when I slack off. You need the squeezy up, but <laughs> yes, you do. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's there's there's lots of ways to skin a goat as we say over here and. One of the things is incorporating your pelvic floor in your other exercise. I think it's absolutely right. brilliant because you need to use your pelvic floor when you're loading up the shopping or mm -hmm. doing your run or whatever it is. So that's really important, functional use of the pelvic floor. And I think my recommendation to patients is, you know, three times a day is ideal, but 
if you do it once a day, once a day is fine. That's better than not doing it at all. And I think there's a variety of things here. One is about finding what works for you. Um, if, if doing it in the morning when you sit down with your first cup of tea of the day is, is good, then set your reminders for that time if you're using Squeezy, for example, or something else that triggers it and dedicate that time to it. When I started in pelvic health around 15, 20 years ago, it was very popular to say to women, do them while you're at the red traffic lights, do them while you're boiling the kettle. Oh, yeah, and then you're, only, yeah. you're only mm -hmm. half paying attention to them. You wouldn't say clean your teeth while you're at the traffic lights or boiling the kettle or you wouldn't if you had a shoulder injury be doing it at the same time right. as you know typing your email so why are we doing that to our pelvic floors <laughs> and i think yeah. it's part of the whole thing of you can't see them you tuck them away you don't worry about it until something goes wrong and then most mm. of the time most people don't even do anything about it then so let's make them more important let's not literally bring them out into the open but let's get your pelvic floors at the center of your mind dedicate what works out to be about two minutes a day to do mm -hmm. one good set of pelvic floor exercises also if you're doing the standard set the the 10 seconds by 10 the 10 fast ones you can track your pelvic floor and you'll start to see if things are deteriorating and we mm. know that there are certain times in your life where your pelvic floor muscles will start to weaken and it's really important to be in touch with them on a, a regular basis so you can spot when this happens we know after childbirth is a problem mm -hmm. we know that after techniques like the cryotherapy or any um, pelvic floor surgery that that yeah. can be a problem mm -hmm. we know that menopause is a big issue when your estrogen levels drops and we know that men when they reach a certain age and your prostate changes that they can start to get problems as well so a good set of pelvic floor exercises every single day evidence-based keeps you in touch with your pelvic floor keeps them priority now so this goes back to the question I was trying to formulate but couldn't quite do it, and now I can, which is, um, what I hear you saying is that um, we can't just do something for a year and then expect it to last us the rest of our lives. And so is it true that, that we could strengthen the pelvic floor for a year, but then the benefits would taper off? Yes, and it's a bit of a mystery why that happens, because... For most people who have no pelvic floor trauma, they probably wouldn't have any problems with their pelvic floor unless they've got constipation or they're very overweight or they have a, a chest condition, they're always coughing. The pelvic floor works automatically with everything else. But for some reason, once you've started to get a problem, you don't always maintain the benefit even if you rehab it. So you do need to maintain it. And we don't really understand why that is. So yes, you, you can't rely on it staying in tip-top condition. You need to keep working at it. Right. It's not like um, planting trees and once you plant them, they're there and they're going to grow and, and you're done with the work and, and you get the benefit of this beautiful lush hedgerow. Um, you, you have to keep planting the trees, so to speak. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I think watching them. a mental block there. Um, and, I, and actually, I realize as, I'm, as, I, as we're talking that I kind of have that, even though I work in this industry, I, I work in fitness and I know if you stop exercising, those benefits are going to taper off. But there's still this sense of, okay, I've been working out for six weeks. All right, I'm going to look like this now forever. Yes. Or, yeah. oh, I look fabulous. I can take some time off. It's going to stick. If you can figure that out, Beth, we're going to be in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I, know, I, I was like, I still feel shocked though sometimes when, you know, 
I don't exercise as much for a week or two because you know that does happen. Life, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what? I look. What is that? I look in the mirror. What? Wait. The scale. What? The poundage has gone up. What the heck is happening? Why did that happen? Oh wait, I know why that happened. But there's the there's is that disconnect of I finished the job. Now I can not do the job. But that simply doesn't work in our bodies, does it? No, it doesn't. And the disconnect, I think, with pelvic health is quite incredible as well, which is another reason why Pelvic Raw was formed, was to try and join all the dots together and form a cohesive voice so that that nobody suffers from a lack of pelvic floor awareness. And Mm. one of the issues that you've probably seen on on the community group that's discussed quite a lot is the use of terminology. We don't always teach our children the correct terminology. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't even think of not teaching them what a hand is, what an arm is, but we don't teach them what a vulva is or what a vagina is. I think Mm. most boys, most men know the difference between their penis and their testicles. But most women don't know the difference between the vulva and the vagina. And as Elaine would put it, if you can see it, it's your vulva. If you're rummaging around inside it, it's your vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Rummaging around. Rummaging around. Elaine likes a good rummage. (laughs) She, if you have never heard, we got to get Elaine on here. I I really love to have her on here. Um, So I admit that it was probably five years ago that I realized those two terms were different, vulva and vagina, and realized what the differences were and started actively using those differentiated terms in my verbiage and also passing them to my daughter and my son. And, um, and, and I always said vagina and I always said penis. My kids, all, you know, the kids come up with their own variation of those words. Um, I've always been very upfront with my kids. Um, my daughter now, she's like, mom, you've already told me that. Huh. <laughs> if a friend brings something up she's like don't, don't oh <laughs> um but even so there's still a lot of um discomfort you know she's mm-hmm. she's 16 right now and so there's it's amazing to me how there's taboos even when we work so hard for there to not be taboos mm-hmm. and I, and and there's the even the stuttering that i do sometimes and i know some of that comes from my background um Originally, you know, very conservative, religious upbringing, um, and I, I don't, I don't hold that against anybody. That's a lot of my foundation, but there was a even more taboos in that setting, and and there still is. I know that you mentioned Elaine has been on this this talk show. What talk show was she on this morning? It's called Lorraine, and it's a, a daytime sort of chat and lifestyle show. Very right. very popular. And I saw right away that the daily mail picked, you know, did an article and was really kind of being critical of it. And people were saying, Oh, they got put off their breakfast by pelvic floor exercises. The morning show, they put off, so put off by discussing this. And I commented and said, gosh, sometimes women, we women are so busy being bothered by these taboos that we're not getting the help that we need. Mm-hmm. And, and I have actively worked for the last 10 years to really break those taboos and, and those stigmas around this conversation. And I still feel like it's an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And women are literally dying of embarrassment and men too at times. Mm-hmm. You know, all women that. and men should be rummaging around their nether regions on a monthly basis. <laughs> men should know what their testicles feel like <laughs> 
We have a good feel of them. Where are the lumps and bumps? What feels irregular? Right. And women should get a mirror out once a month mm -hmm. when they check their breasts for any lumps. Have a good look down there. What does their vulva look yep. like? What's normal yep. for them? What does it feel like? Because vulval cancer kills around 100 women in the UK each year. So given the enormous size of your country, imagine what numbers die of right. vulval cancer in America. And well, yet most vulval cancer is incredibly treatable and it will mm -hmm. often start as a persistent itch or a mole or a skin color change or something along those lines. And most women will go and get treatment for it or have treatment for thrush apply the the canestin cream which is what we have mm -hmm. in the uk for thrush comes back two weeks later i saw a lady today i was asked to review who'd had an itch for two and a half years and had been given these creams for two and a half years nobody has investigated oh, no. why her vulva is itching and it's just oh, horrendous yeah because so i yeah, I've been more proactive about sharing things about lichen sclerosis and and um, vulva and vaginal cancers um, because it is. I mean, I it is staggering, um, and and so myself, it was um, this last January when I felt like something had shifted. It was actually <laughs> plug your ears, Chris. Uh, <laughs> it was actually a little hemorrhoid, um, and but I d wasn't sure, and I wanted to be. <laughs> he plugged his ears. I wanted to be sure, so I went. I went to my my midwife, and I said, "Hey, you know, I haven't had a check in a couple of years. All the lockdowns and such. I know there's been a rise in cancers because a lot of people mm -hmm. went for 18 months without having their bits checked, mm -hmm. um, and they weren't checking them themselves. And I was, so I got in there, and she's like, "Well, that looks fine, but let's do a pap and let's do all that." And then the pap came back funny. So um, I shared about my journey, and as I shared about my journey, I had four clients message me and say, okay, and, I, and there was others that I went and got a pap, but there was four that messaged me and said, my pap came back bad, and now I'm getting treatment, and I mm -hmm. wouldn't have even mm -hmm. gone in if you hadn't shared. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think the holdup is? Like, why, why is this such a – why is this such a – difficult topic like the education just isn't there or what what's the deal i think it's multifactorial really i don't think we educate people enough um and i was delighted when my younger son came home from school once when he was probably 11 and they'd done sex education and they'd given them the names for all of the anatomy and the the his friend had come home and was just completely horrified and said, they said the word vagina in class. And my son went, oh, we say vagina at home all the time. You know, <laughs> so, and, but we need to give that language to children. I think we need to be um, much braver about asking people. So obviously by the time I see patients, they're coming to see me because they've got a bladder or bowel problem. But even with people who will sit in front of you and discuss their urinary incontinence they will not discuss their bowel leakage and mm. i've learned over the years i need mm. to ask people very directly so i will say to people do you leak from the bowels do you have any problems with your bowels it'd be no 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 and they're starting to get red when they're starting to hide their heads literally mm -hmm. and i will eventually say to them if you were stood in front of the queen and you were going to pass wind could you stop it and the amount of people that go probably not you know we've just got so many inhibitions and the numbers are staggering one in three women will leak urine mm -hmm. 
one in nine men will leak urine one in ten men or women will leak from the bowels 50 percent of women will have a prolapse these numbers are phenomenal and these are the people wow. that are falling over when they're 80 90 trying to get to the toilet breaking their hips and dying within a year so this is a public health crisis of incredible proportions mm -hmm. we're not talking about it we're not asking the questions we're not giving people necessarily the time. We're not promoting what we can do. Most people have no idea that a physiotherapist can treat these problems or that they're even treatable. So again, Pelvic Raw had the vision that so much good work is happening all around the world. We have fantastic colleagues in America, in Australia, mm -hmm. um, around Europe, but often people are working in silos and we've got so many opportunities now with social media and that's one thing the pandemic has done in our favor is something like this you know the, the online platforms that we now have that we just didn't have available two years ago so we've got the opportunity to pull all these things together and have one unified non-competitive voice to get this message out to people and what we need to do is make some very brave decisions so I work for what's called the CCG. In England, um, all the health authorities are broken up into big chunks where the CCG runs it and gives you the money for things. And CCGs have got the right to decide whether they're going to pay for incontinence pads or not for the patients. Mm. Now, my CCG does. And we spend in my borough, which is one borough in London, £600,000 per year Whoa. on incontinence pads that stay on a patient Whoa. for maybe three or four hours and then go into landfill which is phenomenal and i took the service over three years ago and we are working on changing that we've put different policies in place people have to be assessed and managed before they're put on pads and there will be some people oh. that need oh. products but i'm campaigning to get the ccg to take a stance that says we will not pay for any products for anybody unless they have there are certain things that make you eligible for benefits and free prescriptions and i think we need to have allowance for a certain group of mm -hmm. patients who must have whatever it is they need but that's a very small subset maybe five percent mm -hmm. we need to be brave and say we're not going to do it because we're going to get you better we're going to come right. into the schools into the workplaces we're going to do health promotion we're going to talk mm -hmm. to you we're going to treat you we're going to put in extra nurses physios right instructors and you are not going to need those pads and for some people mm -hmm. it's being bold and making a stance on something like free products that will actually push them into getting treatment we need to meet people where they're at some people have got the voice and the confidence to say i'm leaking i need help other people mm -hmm. haven't what about the people who don't speak english what about the refugees the travelers mm -hmm. that don't have that fixed point of contact with the healthcare system Obviously, we're very lucky in the UK. It's very, it's free. It's completely free uh, in the majority of, of cases. But people are still not accessing it. So we need to be very creative and we need to be out there. We need to be on daytime TV. We need to be upsetting the Daily Mail. We need to do this work so that everybody understands this is not acceptable. It is not acceptable to leak. And we, we, I don't know what it's like in America, but in the UK, we seem to think it's normal that as you get old, you will leak. Old age equals incontinence. Where have we got that from? And we need to be challenging that. Mm -hmm. I, I want to get a royal <laughs> to come and do a, 
a podcast, you know. Oh, that'd be great. Like that. We need the celebrities. We need them working with us because people will listen to them mm -hmm. in a way that they don't listen to your average person. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're, we're working on. It's just, it's just scaling this up little by little by little so wow. that nobody is left incontinent or mm -hmm. with pelvic pain or with sexual wow. That's great. You know, the question that was asked about, like, why? Like where, where did the taboos come from and what's preventing people? And, and, um, I want to add to what you said, um, because just recently I read a book and I actually would love to do a whole podcast on it. I have it right here. It's called the great sex rescue. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I haven't. Um, but it was based on a groundbreaking in-depth survey of over 20,000 women. Um, pulls back the curtain on what is happening in Christian bedrooms. Exposes the problematic evangelical teachings. Now, keep in mind, I am actually a believer myself. Um, but these teachings that actually wreck sex for people. And it was hard for me to start this book. Um, because I was like, what? But we know, you and I know, Myra, that cultural and religious teachings can impact pelvic health. Mm. I personally had a blind spot, but they, they in this book interview 20,000 women and they also sat down and did case studies, um, interviews, focus groups, um, and they looked at what books have these women been reading, what problems are they having with incontinence, with painful intercourse, with all of this stuff, where did they get their information from? Mm. And very sadly, most of the books that we hold in high regard in the broad evangelical community, books like Love and Respect, books like Every Man's Battle, books like, um, what was another one, Chris? I know you've read this book too. You remember? Uh, there's uh, most of them. Sheet Music, Love and Respect, Every Man's Battle, um power mm -hmm. of a praying wife all of those books are referenced in that book so that this book actually surveyed people and and the messaging in these books leaves out women's health most of them focus purely on men well they leave and out health so, they leave out health of all kinds yes basically they leave out um, and so this book actually goes over pelvic health stuff. I was cheering as I listened to it on audible because I feel like it was a beautiful convergence. And it says, you know, Hey, these books have served people and they probably helped a lot of people, but there's also some subtle messaging where it's, it literally, and sometimes not so subtle messaging that says, ignore the pain you're going through, ignore the leaking you're having because you need to do your duty. And those are the most popular books. And, um, and it's scary. I, I, I feel actually shaky kind of bringing that up because I know that we have a lot of listeners that have probably held those books in high regard. I have some of those books on my bookshelf, mm -hmm. um, but I am started looking at those books in a really different light. Um, books like The Act of Marriage, um, which I feel like was very beneficial for my marriage at first. However, it leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to women addressing what is happening in their bodies and not pushing through pain and not sacrificing themselves to the point of being injured. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's 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 really catastrophic. And yeah. so if anybody's listening and you've read those books and you feel like your your pelvic health and your sexual health have taken a hit and you are struggling with intimacy and pelvic health issues, please get this book, The Great Sex Rescue, because it's going to really help. Just a little quick shout out to that. I know. And I, yeah. I just know, and I know you've probably encountered that, Myra, with clients you've had where it's hard if they have a deeply mm-hmm. religious background, sometimes that it sometimes a lot of times makes it probably harder. Well, well, and I think what you're hitting on isn't necessarily just, I don't know that it's really confined to just the religious, (laughs) I think it's a a bad education problem across the board. Mm -hmm. Like, um, this is a, this is an issue. And with a lot of these women's health issues that we talk about on this podcast, I feel like there's this reoccurring theme of why isn't there better education out there? Like mm-hmm. it seems like every podcast we're talking, no matter what the subject is, if it's health related or fitness related, there seems to be this crazy large amount of bad education mm-hmm. around whatever it is. Like you take diastases and Beth, you always like to say there was like a, a six sentence paragraph in your entire education that talked mm-hmm. about that specific issue. Yet all, all of these women are suffering with it. So I feel like I'd love to just end. We're kind of out of time, but I'd love to just end hearing your thoughts, Myra and yours too, Beth. Like so people that are hearing this and they're going and they're like it's resonating to some degree what do they do like where do they go get the education obviously the pelvic roar groups and things like that are good places to start but what else would you guys say to them what advice would you give i think it's educating yourself first from my perspective so yeah join our community on perfect raw look at our website and we link to lots of other places that are useful and trusted as well and get an idea of what it is that's going on for you are you leaking is it painful does something not look or feel right mm-hmm. and then work out where you could go that you could speak to somebody you can trust and it's different for each each country, each area as to what your pathway would be. In the UK, I would say go and seek to your GP, for example, and just find someone that you can start to articulate this to, and then trust your instincts. If you are feeling fobbed off, you probably are being fobbed off. You need to find a practitioner who trusts you, who listens to you and can meet you where you're at. And you may have something incredibly bizarre and unusual going on, or you may have a large psychological overlay. That's all valid. That's all Mm -hmm. fine. You need to find somebody who can say, okay, this is what I think is happening. This is where I think I should direct you to. This is what I recommend. You need to be believed and you need to feel deep down inside that you're being heard and you're Mm -hmm. being helped. That's so good. Beth, your last thoughts, final thoughts. Um, Well, I just want to make sure that all of our listeners and especially our members know like the fit to be member forum, the support forum that we have, that is open. There's no stupid questions in there. Um, We talk about everything. Nothing is TMI. And so if, if you're listening to this and you have a a burning question, um, please feel free to post that in our forum as well. And feel free to say, Hey Beth, can you add me? Send me a message. I can add you to public war. Or like she said, you can look that up. I, I am, I don't believe that we are the end all. I think that we all need multiple resources, right? I can't provide everything. I'm not a physical therapist. Um, I am not your doctor. So I can provide the fitness piece and that's about it. And I can encourage you. I want to second what Myra said about asking around your area, call up a local physical therapy clinic, ask them if they have a women's health specialist there. They will know what you mean. You don't have to give the secretary all your details 
just ask them if they have a women's health specialist that works with the core and pelvic floor. And if they say yes, book them, even if you have to pay a little bit for it, because for crying out loud, you're worth it. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Like so many of these things, I feel like we're in a situation where it's an investment in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's very easy for people and even more easy, it seems like, for for women and moms to just feel like their duty is to put their self second to everything else. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and then they suffer for it. And you know what? Everybody suffers for it. So you're really not helping everyone else by putting yourself second. So what I hear you guys really saying is, is you need to be educated. You need to make sure and take the time to do these things and pay attention to your body and so forth. Um, and if you need justification more than you're worth it, then the justification is so that you can be there to help the people that you love and not be falling apart. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, Myra, thank you yep. so much for spending time with us today. This was You're fantastic. Welcome. I appreciate that you've been patient enough to work through all of our scheduling issues. Um, cause this was absolutely worth it. Uh, you guys look in the show notes. It's definitely, um, there's some amazing resources here, mm-hmm. um, for you to find, um, these groups and other things from Myra. Definitely check that stuff out. If you're driving, make a note to look it up when you get wherever you're going. If you're listening to this, don't do it while you're driving, but you need to pull over and, and do what needs to happen. Um, and yeah. uh, you owe it to yourself. So, yes. all right, you guys, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. We'll thank talk thank you, you Mira. See you okay. on the next one. Myra. Myra. <laughs> Myra. That's oh my right. gosh. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye.